Oh yay, oh yay, oh yay. This is SCOTUS Talk, a nonpartisan podcast about the Supreme Court for lawyers and non-lawyers alike. Brought to you by SCOTUS Blog. Welcome to SCOTUS Talk. I'm Amy Howe. Thanks for joining us. When the Supreme Court heard oral argument earlier this year in the student speech case, there was one person in particular whose live tweeting of the case stood out. That was Anna Salvatore, the founder of the website High School SCOTUS. High School SCOTUS wasn't new to people who follow the Supreme Court regularly. It has been providing high-quality coverage of the court by high schoolers for several years now. I'm delighted to have Anna here today to discuss the blog and covering the court, along with one of the blog's newest reporters, Elise Spenner. Anna and Elise, welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I'll start with a question for both of you, which is, where did your interest in the Supreme Court come from? I did a project in eighth grade, and my dad told me, it was about social justice, and my dad told me I should write about a Supreme Court case. So I researched Citizens United, and, you know, I listened to the oral argument, I read the opinion, and I kind of just realized that this was something that was really interesting, and I don't think I understood very much of what was going on, but I tried to, and I kind of fell in love with it, and I've just really tried to stay involved. And then when I found Anna and High School SCOTUS, that seemed like a perfect opportunity. My interest arose really spontaneously, too. It was during a study hall in my freshman year of high school. I had finished all my work for the day and was idly reading the New York Times on my computer, and then I came across an article about a case called Maslanyak versus United States. That was a case about a Bosnian Muslim woman who had applied for citizenship, gotten it, but then lied during the process. And the justices were wondering how serious a lie has to be for her citizenship to be stripped. And so they were asking these really interesting questions like, what if she had lied about her weight? What if she had lied about her middle name? Um, they, were, they were really trying to get to the heart of what the importance of the lie was in the process. And, Coming into this transcript, this oral argument transcript with no prior knowledge of the law, I was blown away by how interesting it was. After reading it, I tried to find cases that I just heard about at school, like Roe versus Wade, No Burgerfell, and read more about those. Gradually, I just became a full-fledged court watcher. <laughs> so tell us, Anna, a little bit about the start of High School SCOTUS. How did it come together and how does it operate now? I started High School SCOTUS about four months after that fateful study hall moment when I became interested in the Supreme Court. And it happened mostly because there weren't a lot of people at school with whom I could talk about the court, not people in my family either. So it was kind of lonely and I wanted to be able to practice my writing and hopefully find other people who are interested. I created a free WordPress account and just started writing initially about cases that affected high school students. So student speech cases, uh, cases about whether you had to say the Pledge of Allegiance at school um, and whether your newspaper could be censored. Those were all questions that I was looking at and trying to translate into plain English for other kids my age. Over time, as my blog sort of grew on Twitter, other high school students from around the country began reaching out to me and asking if they could write, which was an absolute dream. These were such smart, engaging kids like Elise who wanted to have their own crack at it. So the blog's focus shifted a little bit and we began writing about cases that were currently before the court as opposed to these old finite number of cases about student speech and student rights. Now 
I edit their work, uh, publish it on the blog every now and then, and it's it's been a, a wonderful experience. So what's been the hardest part about running the blog? The hardest part about running the blog, I think, is differentiating our coverage from the very able, sophisticated, long-term Supreme Court press corps, like people like you, Adam Wiftak, Jess Braven, who cover the court on a daily basis. I've always tried to ask, what am I adding to the conversation that they're not? Am I just rewriting Adam Wiftak's articles in like a slightly less advanced way? Um, am I contributing something just by being a teenager? These are kind of tough questions. So they, they motivate me to either find new angles like writing about the Mahanoi case uh, this term or trying to differentiate the, the blog in other ways such as by interviewing judges, journalists and reporters or journalists and uh, advocates, I'd say. I don't know whether you've ever heard Adam Liptak, as you mentioned him, talk about this, like when he talks to students, for example, about covering the court, and he will tell them that that is one of the hardest parts about this beat is that we're all covering the same things at the same time and trying to do something that's different. I mean, if you, if you look at the headlines, for example, after the court you know, here's argument in a big case or something like that. We even all have the same headlines, um, you know, so it, it can be really challenging. I, I, I hear your, I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we feel that acutely, especially because a lot of the reporters like Mr. Leptak or like Linda Greenhouse have some kind of legal education. So they're coming at it with more knowledge too. I guess our, whenever we can try to find an edge is connecting it to our experience as students. Uh, and I guess the flip side of that question is what's been the most rewarding part about high school SCOTUS? Immediately what comes to mind are the other students. I, I mentioned creating the blog on my own as a freshman. It was not by choice to be alone. It was because there were not other kids to, to talk with about like the first amendment or about um, masterpiece cake shop, the stuff that was going on when I first got into the court and desperately wanted some kind of engagement with um, so getting to meet people like Elise from California, people from Oklahoma, Florida, New York City, um, and getting to have conversations with them about the court and learn from them has been just a, um, an absolute dream. Um, and then I'd say the second most rewarding part is what I mentioned, getting to interview people connected with the court. Um, like one thing I've learned is that you have very little to lose by reaching out to people whom you admire. Um, Oftentimes they have a publicly available email address. And as a teenager, you can take advantage of your youth by saying, hey, can I ask you about your career? How did you get to where they are? A surprising percentage of the time these people say, yes, of course. And then you get to learn from them and then have a connection to them going forward. Um, that was one of my favorite parts of the blog, getting to talk to the Supreme Court press corps and judges. And at one point a court artist, Artlene, who does a lot of work for SCOTUS blog. Yeah, he's marvelous. How of the you know we're just coming out of this period, this long period where nobody has seen anyone in person. But in the the pre-COVID times, how many of the other students did you ever get to actually meet? You know, Elisa's in California. You talked about people. Did you ever get get to meet people in person? Yes, at one point we had a mini. We jokingly call it the high school SCOTUS convention, where on <laughs> the first day of October term twenty eighteen, I want to say, four or five of us converged on DC, had an Airbnb together with my dad as the adult figure, and we went to oral arguments. We, we saw class versus United States. 
and a case about um, a bachelor party with a figure named Peaches. It was some, do you, do you remember that one? So it was, it was one of the press course favorite cases, yes. It's infamous even now because Justice Kagan had asked a question and mentioned that she'd gone to a marijuana party. I mean, it, it's silly, but we had an amazing time getting to be inside the courtroom together, see the press corps on one side, the sketch artists, the, the people um, just sitting and absorbing. Um, that was one of the only times we've gotten to meet in person, but it was very memorable. So Elise, you had your first story for High School SCOTUS recently. What so I guess, what was the impetus for that story about female advocates at the court? Yeah, so Anna mentioned before that we try to, in some way, diversify our coverage from what all the other Supreme Court press corps is writing. And I kind of wanted my article not to be like a first, you know, a generic opinion summary, something that every Supreme Court reporter was covering. And so, and I also wanted something that I had some sort of personal stake in or connection to. So obviously female advocates. And then, you know, we learn a lot or I know that gender underrepresentation is at the core and like is present. But I didn't really think there was a lot of coverage of what that stems from and, you know, the data behind that initial like metric, so to speak, like where do these advocates come from? How often do they get to argue before the court? You know, starting to identify some of like the trends behind that. Um, so you know, I tried to learn how to be a data analyst and just made a Google spreadsheet and put a bunch of names in there. And I was just like, I just went with it. I started to realize that I needed more and more information, which was painful, but that was good. And then I really wanted to center the story around the data. So I tried really hard not to overinterpret or overanalyze anything because I thought, you know, the data really speaks for itself in this case. How long did it take you? To, to do it. I'm just curious. So it took me maybe two days to get all the data together. And um, there's a lot of copying and pasting and just putting stuff together. And then the article was pretty fast. Um, that was like a day. And then it took me a long time. I made these graphics and I am uh, really meticulous sometimes. And I was trying to get them right. And it took me forever. That was painstaking. I think everyone in my family was annoyed with me because I was <laughs> not in the best mood. <laughs> so what was your biggest takeaway from your analysis? And, you know, is there any prospect for any change on the horizon? I think um, taking your second question first, I don't think on the horizon, like in the near future, I don't really see any prospect for change. I think something that I was disappointed in was the number or, or like the gender representation in the advocates making their debut at the court. I expected, you know, maybe we're close to parity there. Maybe there's at least a similar amount of female and male advocates um, making their first argument, but that was just nowhere near true. It was similar to what we see um, even with veteran advocates. So that was disappointing, definitely. But I think, you know, you kind of have to look beyond the current generation and say like, at law schools, especially the elite ones, they've reached gender parity. And, you know, Supreme Court uh, justices are beginning to introduce more women and giving them more clerkships. And that's close to, uh, there's more gender diversity there. So I think, you know, with our generation and 
you know, maybe the generation ahead of us, there's definitely potential for more gender parity at the court. Wow, that seems like it's a long ways away. A little bit, yeah. Although, it, you know, it, it will be here, I, I guess, but before we know it. Tell us, Elise, a little bit about your interview with Melissa Murray, which was a lot of fun for me to read. You know, I listen to strict scrutiny all the time. And so in the one sense, I feel like I know her, but I've never actually met her in person. Um, but I felt like I learned so much about her. So how did you prepare sort of the questions and decide what questions to ask? What were you going for? Let me just preface this by saying when I heard her voice, like I was like, I felt comforted because I listened to that podcast all the time. And I was like, I know this person. I know her voice. And it was like very soothing. And, you know, she was definitely a good. Yeah, she's definitely a good first interview because she's very forthcoming and kind. But for me, I really wanted to get a sense of her overall career and just her path. So I, I did a lot of research. I listened to all the interviews she'd done in the past. And I was trying not to exactly repeat what they'd said, but think about like, what would be my follow on questions to what they asked and what do I want to learn more about? I actually thought, um, you know, I didn't want to spend too much time on her, you know, her teenage years and her years at like UVA and how she got into becoming a lawyer. But I thought it was really fascinating. She had some personal uh, stories and, you know, personal uh you know, mentors and people that had really inspired her to take that career path. And while I wanted to get to her clerkships and her writing and her work as a professor, I thought that was really uh, relevant to teenagers that could be reading a blog. And then the thing I most expected to be interested in was probably her clerkship. Um, I'm fascinated by clerkships. I think they're kind of really cool. You get to like kind of go behind the scenes, this like otherworldly, uh, world of the justices and that was pretty um it was good to learn about and i thought her personal anecdotes about her time with the uh then judge now justice sotomayor were great um and i thought that she addressed the personal side which we don't get to see a lot um her personal relationship with the judge and then i also i don't mean to ramble on but her writing on marriage and family law i did not really expect to be interested in but i found i was because it was very just so current um with our with the pandemic and you know her writing on um you know this safety net for families and uh caretaking is just so relevant right now with um so many women out of work and forced to juggle caretaking and uh, their jobs at the same time. It was a great interview. So thank you. I really enjoyed reading it. Um, Anna, what is next for you? This past year, I've taken a gap year. I would ordinarily have gone on to college right after high school, but the pandemic happened. So I interned at Lawfare last fall, which is a national security blog based in DC. And just today was my very last day interning with the National Constitution Center. So that done, moving on. I'll start at Princeton in late August, and I couldn't be more excited. I'm thinking maybe I'll be a history or politics major. And are you going to continue with high school SCOTUS? Oh, well, I missed that part of the question. <laughs> ha, yes, maybe, maybe. I've been asked this question a lot, and I never know how to respond because 
truth be told, it depends on which high school students want to keep writing. Sure. And it seems like if Elise wants to keep contributing and a few other kids who are interested, then I will continue publishing their work. Yes, it all depends on on the interest. But you're not going to care. You, you, you've got other stuff to do. You don't want to carry it alone. It's my pleasure to, to carry it on. Um, I think I'll always find time in between homework and and throwing a frisbee to <laughs> to publish students' work. I mean, it's just such a joy, and I, I continue learning from them. I did not know all about gender parity at the court before Elise wrote this piece. I didn't know that when Justice Sotomayor interviewed clerks, she began by saying, "Tell me about your family." Every post by Elise and by students like Sam from Pennsylvania and Audrey from California, they they teach me things. So I. I'm going to be really reluctant to give that up in college. And Elise, are you working on anything new? Um, so I have been trying to keep up with the court's opinions because they're releasing them Mondays and Thursdays, which is at 7 a.m. in California. So it's an early wake up. But um, I that's mostly I've been writing. I wrote an opinion summary on Borden and then um, just I was thinking I'm trying to write any that really stick out to me when they come out from the court, but it's really hard to get on it quickly. Um, and again, try to differentiate my coverage. Over the summer, when there's less going on, I'm hoping to do more interviews, especially with reporters from the press corps, because uh, I just I want to learn more about how they do it and how they manage it, because it's pretty hard for me. And then I'm hoping to. I don't know, write some more lighthearted things that are not as much opinion coverage or but more about anything I feel like writing about. Excellent. Uh, yeah, well, it is. I mean, we're part of the reason that reporters are able to manage it is because it is our full time job. Um, that's all we do. Um, so this is a question for either one of you. Uh, but as Anna, you mentioned, High School Scout is started as a blog focused on cases that affect high schoolers. And this term, we had a big one, the, the case we've already briefly mentioned, the Mahanoy Area School District versus BL, the case of the cussing cheerleader, as I think Adam Liptek put it on Twitter. Is this a case, you know, and maybe this is a question a little bit more for Elise because you were in school, that students are aware of? And like, did you talk about it? Like, what do people think about it? God, no one knows anything about it. My friends do not know anything about the Supreme Court. Um, I think I was probably the only one that had any inkling of what was going on. Um, you know, I think if they knew about it, they would be frightened and like really that, you know, a girl's Snapchat had gotten uh, screenshotted and she had been removed from the team for a year. I think that alone would be horrifying. And then the fact that that's now at the Supreme Court about, you know, the future of off-campus speech. Um, you know, BL's message was to a select group of friends and I have group chats with all my friends and we say things that it's not the nicest to teachers sometimes. And I think kids would definitely be scared that that could uh, be regulated in, a, in some way. So Anna, you know, as I, as I mentioned at the outset, you live tweeted the, the argument did, was that a decision you made in advance? Like this is this is so squarely in my wheelhouse, and I'm going to do it, or you just sort of started doing it and it became organic. 
no, I decided about five minutes before it started. And if you look at my thread, there is no introductory tweet to say I'm live tweeting. I figured I would maybe tweet the highlights, two or three tweets, and then it just kept going and kept going. It, it certainly fit my brand because I'm a, a student still and the blog is called High School SCOTUS. So hopefully people were, um, you know, maybe maybe looking for my perspective, but it was, it was very fascinating. And um, it was a great way to introduce myself to live tweeting for sure. People were appreciative. Uh, so thank you. Anyone want to make any predictions? I think that the court will rule narrowly for BL. Um, Agreed. They, how they'll draw the line is a very difficult thing to predict, especially with, I'm thinking of comparisons, like whether a cross can stand in the graveyard or whether um, religious things can be said during uh, political assemblies. Th those are always opinions that are divided with justices, not sure which free speech test to apply. Um, and even here, the question is, does Tinker apply off campus or does a true threat standard apply off campus? Um, I think they'll either find some gray area in between or, you know, punt it down to the lower courts, but I'm really not sure. Anna Salvatore and Elise Spenner, thank you so much for joining us. The website is High School SCOTUS. Best of luck to you both. That's another episode of SCOTUS Talk. Thanks for joining us. And thanks to our production team, Katie Barlow, Angie Goh, Cal Goldie, and James Ramoser.